0: the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible. Then continue the adventure with monthly audio adventures on airshipgenesis.com. Plus, download the Airship Genesis mobile game where kids will travel back in time to the life of Jesus. Blast off with the young one in your life at airshipgenesis.com. It's one of the most storied friendships in the entire Bible and proof positive that God doesn't want his children to suffer loneliness. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah profiles the friendship of David and Jonathan and shares biblical wisdom on finding and being the kind of friend that keeps loneliness at bay. Here's David to introduce today's message, God's Human Cure for Loneliness.
1: Well, friends, this is a very important message about friendship. I have noticed in um, reading uh, recently, in recent years, that the friendship that used to be so popular and so important in earlier generations and decades seems to be missing. We've mistaken the idea that we can sit in front of a computer and accomplish the same things we used to do by having coffee with a friend. That's just not true. In fact, one of the definitions of friendship is that a friend banishes the loneliness by allowing us to share ourselves. Ralph Waldo Emerson once wrote that a friend is one who will make us do what we can when we're saying we can't. I uh, I think there's so much to be learned about friendship, and the Bible is a good place to begin. Today we're going to talk about friendship, and we're going to use the backdrop of one of the great friendships in all of the Scripture— and that is um, the friendship of David and Jonathan. I hope you will stay with us as we teach this lesson today. And then tomorrow and Thursday, we're going to talk about God's heavenly cure for loneliness. So we have some really encouraging lessons coming up beginning today. And uh, there's an encouraging book to go with all of this. It's the book, God Has Not Forgotten You. He is with you even in uncertain times. This book will really be a a blessing to you. I, I don't say that because I'm trying to sell the book. I'm not really trying to sell it. I want to give it to you. I want to say thank you for your investment. And this book will open your heart to the scriptures that remind you of God's comfort and encouragement when you're feeling alone. It is a tremendous reminder of God's faithfulness during challenging times. So when you send your gift, simply ask for the book. God has not forgotten you. It will be on its way to you before you know it, and you'll be blessed by its content. Well, let's get started now uh, as we talk about God's human cure for loneliness. Open your Bibles. Open your heart. Let's study the Word of God. 1
2: Samuel 18, verses 1 through 4. And it came to pass, when he had ceased speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him, and he gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his belt." I looked for some good definitions, and they're hard to come by because everybody has a different idea of what a friend is. I think one of the best ones was written by a 13-year-old girl who said, a friend is one in front of whom you can be your own true self. Ralph Waldo Emerson once penned these words about friendship. He said, a friend is one who will make us do what we can when we are saying we can't. And then he wrote later on, he said, I do with my friends as I do with my books. I would have them where I can find them, but I seldom use them. I personally think the Bible has some (laughs) of the best definitions of friendship you'll find any place in literature. One particular passage written by Solomon in the Old Testament says that a friend loveth at all times. Proverbs 17, 17. Here's another one that I like. Proverbs 18, 24, a man who hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend who sticketh closer than a brother. Now, if you survey your life, you'll discover that you have four different kinds of friends. First of all, you have what we might call contact friends. Those are the people you just meet in the everyday interface with life, people that you pass. Maybe it's the elevator operator, the man who runs the candy counter in the office building where you work. Maybe it's the man who pumps gasoline into your car. Just people that you know, acquaintances, just contact friends. And these are the people with whom you are acquainted and that's all. There's another level of friendship that goes beyond that and that's what we might call casual friends. And these are people who have common interest with you, people with whom you are free to speak. I have many casual friends with whom I talk about sports. We have that one little thing in common. We just get together and talk about athletics and sports. Then there's a third level of friendship that goes beyond the contact and the casual friends and that's what we might call close friends. A close friend is one who shares a common goal. Someone with whom you are probably in harness over some issue. Maybe it's a partner in a business. At least hopefully it's your wife or your husband. Maybe it's the person you work with in the office where you hold forth, or maybe it's an associate in some endeavor. It's a close friend. But the kind of friendship I want to talk about today is a very rare kind of friendship. In fact, while I'm sure most of you can cycle through in your own minds and find contact friends and casual friends and close friends, If you're really honest about this fourth category you'll find it hard to name more than one or two people in your life who qualify under the fourth category. This is what we might call a committed friend. Do you know what a committed friend is? A committed friend is a friend who cares enough to confront you about the blind spots in your life. A committed friend is one who loves you enough to tell you what's wrong with you so you can be better and hopefully if you're married You are a committed friend to your spouse. You know, it's amazing to me as a counselor on occasion to discover how many people who are married who aren't friends. But friendship is a valuable commodity, and it's something worth deciphering in our own lives. Whatever level of friendship you might be pursuing at this present time, there's probably no better example of a true committed friendship relationship than that between David and Jonathan. And there are some characteristics I want to share with you very briefly about their relationship. First of all, when we began to read the story as it is recorded for us in the 18th chapter, we learn that friendship is selective. It says in the first part of chapter 18 that it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul that the soul of Jonathan literally became knit to the soul of David and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Here was someone who chose a relationship with another. Now, you know the story as well as I do. It's a beautiful record how that David, the son of Jesse, the sheep herder, came down to the valley where the battle was being fought between the Philistines and the Israelites. The Philistines had plagued the Israelites for many months, and no one seemed to know what to do to conquer them, for you see, they had a champion of war by the name of Goliath. He stood out in front of his army and he shouted threats and he scorned and he made fun of the Israelites and no one was willing to go out and fight him. David came down to the battle. He volunteered to be the champion. After they got over their shock and laughed and tried to send him home, after he tried on Saul's armor and found out it was too big and it was cumbersome, David just went out and he was equipped only with a slingshot. Five smooth stones, and you know the story. It's a tremendous story. He killed Goliath, cut off his head, used it as a trophy to parade his victory in front of the people of God. Jonathan was the son of Saul. Saul the king, who had not been able to deal with the enemy. And Jonathan watched one day as David came home from battle, parading the trophy of his success. There's a very interesting passage in the Old Testament that says, When David came home from battle, the people sang a song. The song went like this. Saul has slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands. Now that's good news if you happen to be David. It's not very good news if you're King Saul. And Jonathan was the son of King Saul. And he saw David as the champion. And as one soldier respected another soldier, his soul was knit to David's. And they became good friends, and it was a friendship that would be tortured, a relationship that would be under pressure, a relationship under the pressure of his father. And yet Jonathan and David became close friends. Now, the interesting thing about this is that Jonathan selected David as his friend. Aren't you glad God lets you pick your own friends? If we stop for just a moment and think about the friends that we have, if we ask ourselves, how did I become somebody's friend or how did they become my friend? Somewhere in the process, there was a choice. There was a selection. But notice, secondly, that friendship is sacrificial. We read later on in the text that Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and he gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. Now, the interesting thing about this is that this was not simply one man who had fine clothes sharing them with another man whose clothes weren't so good. Here was Jonathan, the son of the king, taking off the garments which spoke of his royal heritage and giving his robe to his rival. You see, David was going to become the king in the place of Jonathan. Jonathan was the one who, by right, should have inherited the throne. But David, because of his valor and because of his leadership, was brought to the throne. And later on we're going to see that Jonathan had already come to accept that. And now in this moment of symbolism, Jonathan takes off his royal robes and he places them on David. And he gives them to him as a moment of sacrificial love. David was the son of a sheepherder. Jonathan was the firstborn son of the first king of Israel. David was clothed in shepherd's rags. Jonathan was clothed in royalty. It's a reminder to us all that friendship does not depend upon status. Some of the most beautiful romantic novels have been written from England on the relationships of the princes and princes who have fallen in love with peons and paupers. And the romance has been beautiful. When Jonathan stripped himself of his royalty in favor of the one who is his rival, he took off of him the robe that would have one day been his as the king of Israel and gave it to David. And if you'll turn over in your Bibles to the 23rd chapter of 1 Samuel, you will see that this was something that had great significance in the mind of Jonathan. For in verses 16 and 17, we read these words And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose, and he went to David into the forest and he strengthened his hand in God, and he said unto him, Fear not, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find thee, and thou shalt be king over Israel, and I shall be next unto thee. And that also Saul my father knoweth." He'd already accepted the kingship of David, and it was all right for Jonathan just to be next to the one who would be the king. If you have a friend and that friend is more than a casual friend, that friend is more than a close friend, that friend is a committed friend, in that relationship there is one ingredient which is always present in that kind of a relationship. It's the ingredient of sacrifice. For a friend will always sacrifice for the one loved. Friendship without sacrifice is no friendship at all. Then there is A third quality in this relationship that I find most interesting, and that is that friendship is steadfast. The interesting thing about Jonathan in his relationship with David is that he did not build his relationship with David on the ruins of his relationship with his father. Somehow, though I don't know quite how he did it, through all of the strain and the stress of Saul's attempt to kill David and to wipe out this threat to the kingship, Jonathan stood in the middle between these two rivals and he never lost touch with either one of them. He was faithful to his father in as much as he could be, he was faithful to his friend at all times. There was no attempt on the part of Jonathan to manipulate his father in order to protect his friend, and there was no attempt on Jonathan's part to manipulate his friend to gain some advantage for his father. If you come to the end of Jonathan's life, at the end of Saul's life, you discover that his relationship with his father, who was the enemy of his friend, somehow maintained all the way through. And in 2 Samuel one twenty-three, we read that Saul and Jonathan were lovely and pleasant in their lives, and in their death they were not divided. And I would just pause here to express to you that it is very easy if we are not careful to build one friendship on the ruin of another. That is so prevalent among young people. It is a very common practice among teenagers as they're growing up. Have you noticed how they flee from one friend to the other, leaving this friend in order to gain the friendship of this one? But true friendship does not build a relationship on the ruins of a lost relationship. And David and Jonathan illustrate that principle about friendship. And then there is one last principle of friendship that is so present in their lives, and that is that friendship is secure. What is a friend to do? A friend is somebody who cares enough about you, as we talked before, who will warn you of the trouble that comes to your life. If we are truly friends, not contact friends, not casual friends, not close friends, but committed friends, we will always warn that friend who is in danger, always. Now watch what happened, chapter 19. Remember now that David is being hunted by Jonathan's father. He is the enemy of the king. And we read in verse 1 and 2 of chapter 19 that Saul spoke to Jonathan his son and to all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. And Jonathan told David, saying, Saul, my father, seeketh to kill thee, Now, therefore, I pray thee, take heed to thyself until the morning and abide in a secret place and hide thyself. What was he doing? Here was his friend, here was danger, and he stood between danger and his friend. Oh, I don't know about you folks, but I need some friends like that. I need somebody that I feel close enough to that they can walk up to me and say to me, Jeremiah, I don't like what I see in your life. Something's going on with you that troubles me, and I want to warn you there's danger around the corner if you don't straighten it out. True friendship brings security to one's life. Not only did he warn him of trouble to come, but notice he actually interceded for him. Read on to verse 3. Jonathan again said, And I will go out and stand beside my Father in the field where thou art. And I will talk with my father of thee, and what I see, that I will tell thee. And Jonathan spoke good of David unto Saul. And he said unto him, Let not the king sin against his servant against David, because he hath not sinned against thee, and because his works have been very good toward thee. Oh, I love the sweetness of that. Jonathan speaking to his own father and, in essence, pleading in behalf of his friend and saying, Don't misunderstand David. I don't want you to think that he is your enemy. You may be his, but, Dad, he always speaks well of you. He is your friend. And I look at the torn relationships that sometimes walk into a church or, if they're not there, enter into a church. And I realized that sometimes if we were as good of friends as we claim to be, and we see our friend separated from someone else and the relationship torn, we would enter into the realm of intercession as Jonathan did. And we put our arm around one friend and help them understand the other friend and bring them together. And in that there is security. Friendship always faces trouble. Friendship always stands in the place of one who is hurting. Look down in your Bibles to chapter twenty. And Jonathan answered, Saul, David, earnestly ask leave of me to go to Bethlehem. And he said, Let me go, I pray thee, for our family hath a sacrifice in the city. And my brother, he hath commanded me to be there, and now I have found favor in thine eyes. Let me get away, I pray thee, and see my brethren. Therefore he cometh not unto the king's table. Then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan, and he said unto him, Thou son of the perverse, rebellious woman, do not I know that thou hast chosen the son of Jesse to thine own shame and unto the shame of my mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse liveth upon the ground, thou shalt not be established nor thy kingdom. Wherefore now send and fetch him unto me, for he shall surely die. And Jonathan answered Saul his father and said unto him, Why shall he be slain? What hath he done? And Saul cast a javelin at him to smite him. Whereby Jonathan knew that it was determined of his father to slay David. So Jonathan arose from the table in fierce anger and did eat no food the second day of the month, for he was grieved for David because his father had done him shame. Here is the sensitivity of this relationship. Here is the sacrifice and the security of a man who cares deeply about another. I don't know about you, but it just makes me feel good to think about having a friend like that. And I thank God I have a couple. I really do, and there's hardly a day goes by that I don't give thanks to the Lord for that relationship. I say this in understanding of how it may not be accepted by some. The very best friend you ever had in your life on the face of this earth, you think there's not anything that could ever get in between you and that friend. There is always the possibility that that friendship could be destroyed. You see, we're fickle human beings, sometimes through misunderstanding, sometimes through Perceived intent, our relationships get separated. Some of you could give testimony to the fact that a person you thought you would never, ever have any problems with, in fact, maybe your best friend, and now you're isolated one from another. How does a person protect themselves so that they always have a friend? For we can't live without them. Well, I'm sure you've already thought about the rest of this story. The Bible says, There is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And I'd like to suggest to you that that friend is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to know that though I have two men in my life who are my best, closest friends—men that I could tell anything that was in my heart—even to those two men, there are some things that I cannot say. But I have a friend to whom I can unburden my soul at any moment of the day or night who understands me better than I understand myself. And when I pour out my heart to him, there is a ready acceptance in his presence like you would not understand unless you had such a friendship. And that friend, of course, is the Lord Jesus Christ. I couldn't help but think of the relationship of David and Jonathan as a picture of my relationship with Christ. And I'd like to suggest some analogies that I find very helpful to me. As Jonathan selected David, So Jesus Christ selected me. I know some of you have trouble with that, and I don't need to get into all of that except to say, I know personally that I didn't find the Lord. He found me. There's some folks that like to sing, I found what I wanted when I found the Lord, but I want you to know I wasn't looking for him. In fact, I was running away from him as fast as I could, and he never let go until he found me. And he got a hold of me, and he chose me for his very own, and he made me his. Jeremiah 31.3 says, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn thee. That's what he did. He selected me. As Jonathan sacrificed for David, Jesus Christ sacrificed for me. Do you know what he did for me? He did almost exactly what Jonathan did for David. He came down out of the throne room of glory, turning his back on all the riches of the kingdom of heaven walked down upon this earth, and he took off the royal robes that were his by right and put upon himself the clothing of humanity so that he might identify with me. And then one day he went to a cruel cross, and there he gave his life up in order that I might go free and that I might qualify someday to live in his kingdom with the Father. He sacrificed. How do I know that my friend loves me? Because he paid the greatest price any friend could ever pay, he paid with his life. The book of John says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. As Jonathan was steadfast in his relationship with his father, even though he was a friend to David, Jesus Christ was steadfast in his relationship with his father, even though he was a friend to me. You know how that works? It's wonderful. Jesus Christ, in order to be a friend to me, in essence, had to face the fact that his own father would turn his back upon him. You see, in order for Christ to be my friend, he had to identify with me and who I was and in my sin. And the Bible says that when he hung upon the cross bearing my sin, which was not his but mine, the Father looked down upon him and turned his back, and God the Son cried out on the cross, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But Jesus Christ was willing to be forsaken for a moment by his Father in order that he might reach down his hand and accept me as his friend.
1: Amen. Amen. This lesson reminds us that uh, the friendship between David and Jonathan is just a picture of the friendship that we have with God. He is our friend. I am very grateful that Jesus Christ is my Savior and Lord. I'm also grateful that he's my friend, and he's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. He never, ever turns his back on us, even though we may violate that friendship ourselves, even when we are unfaithful, says the Scripture. God remains faithful still. So, um, count it all joy to be not only uh, related to God through his lordship and saviorhood, he's your friend, and he will be with you when you need him. Uh, If you haven't already ordered the book for the month, I hope you will do it. It's uh, God Has Not Forgotten You, what a title for this series. This is brand new. You can get this... um, right now you'll be able to get it just from Turning Point. Ultimately, you'll be in the bookstores, but it's 190 pages of just comfort and encouragement for when you feel alone. It's just what you need for right now. We want you to have it. When you send your gift this month, ask for your copy. It'll be on its way to you before you know it. It's our way of saying thank
0: you for your investment in the ministry of Turning Point. Have a great day. We'll see you next time. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's current series, Overcoming Loneliness, Please visit our website, where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected. Our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's reassuring new book, God Has Not Forgotten You, a comforting reminder that God is working all things together for your good. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to access our programs and resources. Get all the details when you visit our website at davidjeremiah.org slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series Overcoming Loneliness here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Thank you for your prayers and support of Turning Point. We invite you to make an even bigger impact by becoming one of our Bible Strong partners, a special group whose support of the ministry is crucial in helping Dr. David Jeremiah deliver the unchanging Word of God to an ever-changing world. Turning Point is committed to presenting sound biblical teaching all across Canada. And when you stand with us in partnership, we also commit to you, to provide you with empowering resources to keep you Bible Strong. When you set up your online account at davidjeremiah.ca slash you will have instant access to Dr. Jeremiah's topical living library audio messages and his companion booklets, exclusive club resources, and our quarterly Influencing Your World newsletter. You can also purchase additional study guides at a 50% discount for personal or small group studies with our convenient one-click checkout. Plus, join our exclusive Facebook page. You will have special access to new audio podcasts and additional content from Dr. Jeremiah. Join with other Bible Strong partners today by committing to give $25 or more each month. Your prayers and donations are the backbone of Turning Point, keeping us Bible Strong. For more information or to join, visit our website today at davidjeremiah.ca slash Bible Strong Have you ever wondered what your legacy will be? The Jeremiah Legacy Society from Turning Point was created for friends of the ministry who feel called to partner with Dr. David Jeremiah to deliver the unchanging Word of God to future generations. We can ensure that the impact we have reaches beyond our days here on earth. Visit our website at davidjeremiahgift.org learn more about how you can be a part of the Jeremiah Legacy Society.